0: Wait, did that
1: waitress listen to a word I said? This steak is medium rare. I asked for it medium and I wanted extra gravy on my mashed potatoes. Let me ask you something. How hard is your job? How intelligent do you have to be to take a food order? Jesus!
0: Ma'am, ma'am, you're absolutely right and uh, I apologize. I'm gonna get this fixed for you right away. Good. Now I can finish my salad.
1: Gentlemen, we have our first official biatch of the day. Oh, come on, guys. She wasn't that bad, was she? Well,
0: Amy, it's your table. You decide.
1: A fucking bitch. Do it.
0: <laughs> the first thing we do is we add a little extra gravy to the mashed potato. <laughs> ah, that's it. Good job, buddy. Good job. Nice one. Followed by a thin spread of cheese for your garlic bread. Some under cheese. Yeah, make us proud. <sighs> Fresh from the taint. We like this. Good. Up next, what we're gonna do is we're gonna yeah, having a little guacamole for the steak. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? Come on, man, you can't be mixing Mexican and continental. Come on, man, I thought you were better than that.
0: Have a little garlic salt.
1: Ah, 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 that's what I'm talking about. The net,
0: baby. These guys have a deep commitment to their job. Finally. <laughs> A garnish of alfalfa sprouts adds a touch of class. <laughs> touch of class. Fanny meal. There we
1: go. Um. Oh, God. Good stuff.
0: Here you go, ma'am. Oh, yeah. I had the chefs take extra special care of it for you. And I'm truly sorry for the inconvenience.
1: According to you from Seattle, Washington, on South Lake Union, this is episode 75 of Grill Hotline Steak, Mister. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Thank <laughs> Yes, I am your host, Bobby Stills. Uh, my other host is in studio today. He's not missing. Uh, he's here. His head is still tiny. Uh, <laughs> nose still big. Uh, but uh, Johnny Toonami. Hello. Hello. I haven't seen you in forever. I know. It's been a while. Oh, I, gotta, I still got to rub this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We are coming to you from Studio 212. Uh, this is a production of the Sound Caching Network. Uh, Queef Boogie. He would no longer like to be called Queef Boogie. Oh, really? Do we still call him Queef Boogie? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> A.K.A. the Invisible Producer. Uh, my man is working here full time now. Uh, Keith, little known fact. Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but he is also a fellow uh, line monkey uh, kitchen uh, god. But he is uh, wanting, they're wanting to feature him on a blog in Australia because he wrote this. long letter about you know retiring from the kitchen oh. you know this is his company the Soundcasting network and you know he's he's putting in work here making that money that guap off of a podcast <laughs> uh there's plenty of podcasts on here. how to be better drinkers about booze can you dig it's about uh dj culture vinyl only fools um no they do serato too but uh yeah what other shows are there on here uh we got aud Oh yeah, EUD and user disagreements about video games But uh, yeah, he put all his eggs in one basket And he's quitting And a lot of people he wrote uh, online In these closed Facebook groups and on Reddit Were uh, really proud of him that's you what's know. up. They wish they could be doing it. <laughs> A lot of people wish they could be doing it. I, yeah, right. Soon, someday, Johnny, when our when our podcast blows up, you know. Making millions of dollars. <clears throat> I also got to say what's up to uh, our listeners in England, in the UK, because oh, wow. uh, I got some comments about us saying, oh, yeah, our fans around the world and Australia and Thailand and stuff, they're like, yo, what about the UK? <laughs> so, uh, Johnny, give us your uh, British accent. Uh, no, my girlfriend says that. <laughs> I shouldn't do that anymore. So do that. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So we made it to episode 75. Hope you guys enjoyed the two-part episode last week uh, with the Samic guys. I wasn't too impressed by the actual demo that they did. I thought they could have did a lot better. Uh, It was still nice getting to look at some really, really fancy kitchen equipment. And the interview section, the second half of the podcast, I really, really, really enjoyed. We did a beer tasting. Johnny didn't listen to it. Yeah, He he had one job. (laughs) So we could talk about it. We're going to try to listen to it live on air, play it for you guys, and then comment. But last week uh, was Memorial Day. So we took it off. And then we are recording today on uh, Wednesday. Because Johnny's birthday was on Monday. Yes. So, happy birthday, Johnny. Thanks. What are you, 47? Yes, sir. That's right, man. (laughs) Looking good, looking good, man. Black don't crack, you know. Still got them abs of steel? (laughs) Show them them to me. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, let's go on the (laughs) walk-in. Anyway, uh, anything you want to update the people about? Um, actually, yeah. So
0: Friday we had um, Edward Lee come into the restaurant. I saw that. I saw that. And if you don't know who Edward Lee is, he is a New York chef who is based out of Kentucky right now. Uh, we've talked about him on the show.
1: Yeah, he's the one. Did he talk to Eduardo about starting the program?
0: You know, I don't, I'm not sure I was off that day. Damn.
1: So, know. but yeah, It's funny. We were just talking about him starting that, the Lee Institute. Yeah, the Lee Institute. So that's why I was like,
0: oh, I'm bummed out that I missed him. But he was in, he's in town for the Seattle International Food Film Festival um, for his movie Fermented. No, it's not the Food Film Festival. It's SIF. Seattle oh, well, International the, Film Festival. Oh, someone, something wrote an article,
1: or Eater wrote an article saying it was a food film festival. It's a food film. festival mm-hmm. <laughs> a film festival. Uh, little known fact though, uh, co host of How to Be a Better Drinker, the podcast here on Soundcasting Network, Justin Freet. Um, I didn't get a chance, but he premiered his documentary, Dirt Bag, oh, cool. um, at the Egyptian up on the hill. But uh, shout out Justin Freet. Good job, buddy. Well, uh, Edward Lee came in
0: um, because he was doing his film stuff and... Uh, had our food and just raved about it. Uh, I've realized it was his last post on his Instagram. Um, He was saying how he was excited to see that there's such a good source of Southern food coming out of Seattle. That's what he said. He said, who would have thought to get
1: really good Southern food, you had to
0: fly all the way to Seattle, Pacific Northwest. So that was a definite big compliment. And so we're really excited to get this week rolling and uh, see what happens. It's good, but you didn't cook any food for him, did you? No, his actually his favorite thing was okra stew, which is really funny because it's like our only vegan dish. It's just like tomatoes and
1: and okra. But uh, so it's tomato based,
0: yeah, with okra, with okra, um, and a little bear spices, baber
1: spices. What yeah. are those?
0: Uh, you know, it it gets along in death, but it. it's like cumin and coriander. We got some fennel seed in there, and then there's a couple other things I can't remember right the,
1: now. The, see, you got the basics, but it's the other stuff that makes it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really the cumin that makes it pop, though. And cumin, that cilantro that we did that yeah. one tastes a lot. Uh, like uh, coriander mixed with cumin kind yeah of that. I, can that. I can see that um but yeah so that was really
0: cool and we're really excited we've had a lot of big people come in in the past couple of weeks chance the rapper um oh yeah what was up with that he was doing a show a couple of weeks ago and he where came. at Sasquatch I don't know if it was at Sasquatch that's the only place he was at oh really Sasquatch Music Festival. oh then he drove all the way down here and had oh he flew in here fool no well I mean he drove here from the gorge
1: no, he flew into Seattle. Oh, ate I mean at June baby. I don't know, I didn't talk to him about it. And was... then drove out to the gorge <laughs> because it was before the Sasquatch. Oh, well, he was full. Um yeah, he
0: came in and he got he came in with a bunch of uh dreadheaded motherfuckers. <laughs>
1: dready natty
0: natty dreads. So that line from Chicago, his, dog. Yeah, that line from his song, you know, of one more, you know, person try to stop sign me or whatever. Uh was true. <laughs> There's a lot of dreadheaded motherfuckers in the lobby. Um, Michael Bennett and his brother came in recently, uh, which is cool. David Chang was supposed to stop by, but he never made it. But yeah, so
1: we've been we've been rolling. So I just read an article with David Chang. Um, you know, he got blasted by that same that same food critic that blasted Per Se. Oh yeah. Um yeah, and he had a totally different approach. And he said, fuck this guy. <sighs> fuck you. Don't ever come to my restaurants again. You're a fucking bully. You're mean. You want traditional food and you're not willing to accept the future. And he's like, but you keep trying all these modern restaurants. You know that they're modern. Yeah. But you're reviewing them like they're traditional or old school. Interesting. So he's like, I don't fucking care what you have to say. You are should not be reviewing food because you're not willing to accept the modernization of the kitchen anymore. Well, good on him. Yeah. So, uh, David Chang would be exciting. Okay. Anything else? Nope. That should be it. Really? No eating anywhere. Uh, No.
0: Well, I mean, I ate at Garen for my birthday, which was always good. good. It's the third time I've been there and it's been phenomenal and it always changes.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't uh, work update. Um, not really. The restaurant's not open yet. Jupiter. Uh, so you got a
0: couple write-ups, though.
1: Yeah, we got two write-ups. We got a write-up from Seattle Met, and we got a write-up from the Slog, mm-hmm. uh, which is our Stranger local newspaper's uh, online blog. But. Yeah, they put my girlfriend's uh, mural up on their nice. front page. That's what's up. She's a uh, Nakey's <laughs> laying on top of a lion. <laughs> Sounds pretty cool. Because everybody that reshares the post or whatever, it's just her picture of her on the wall. And so, like, how do you feel about that? I'm like, great. I love my girlfriend and her and her body. And I like art. And uh, It's art, yeah. you know? It is. Tasteful. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but anyway, it's really exciting. Uh, really good write-ups. There's some other... Um, Artists that need to come and finish the alleyway for the Belltown Quarter. Mm-hmm. I've been like, uh, you know, doing my part to get get some stuff for the kitchen. Um, I got some pads for our feet. Um, I brought a grill in that we can put out back, so, we, so our back patio we can cook for guests out there cool. live. Um, that should be fun. And uh, we're waiting for, still waiting for permits. And I got a meeting this Saturday with hello and my buddy Brian. Uh, we're gonna come down and we're gonna we're gonna bang out um, the rest of the menu. Um and have some backup recipes just in case, you know, some stuff doesn't hit with customers and yeah. stuff. Uh but I, I wanna give I was just on the way here to the studio, I was, you know, super psyched because I, I want them to feel like they're involved in the making of you know, the menu. Mm-hmm. Eric Jackson's on the show, did the consulting for him. He wrote an entire menu. Nice. Uh, but I just want to make sure we have st- other stuff on deckington. Yeah. Shout out to Eric Jackson. He's doing some pop-ups these days. Yeah. They were really, draft? Oh yeah, that's right. We went to, we went to the pop-ups together. Yep. And we haven't talked about it. Uh, that was good. Uh, yeah. And I got to hang out with him on Memorial day. Uh, I was, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I want them to really feel like they, they're part of it and they're in part of, part of the process of creating dishes. Even if it's a component uh, as a part of the dish, mm-hmm. I still want them to be proud of that and say, like, hey, that's me. I came up with that, uh, which I feel lacks in a lot of restaurants. Because uh, I told my girlfriend, I said, I don't want to just hand them a recipe and. A menu and say this is what we're doing. Yeah, I want input feedback and I want their opinion. That's good on it. But just because I I know how it's been for me before. Yeah, um, and they're not stupid. Now if they were dumb as hell and couldn't do shit, I'd be like, no, this is how you cut the onion. <laughs> this is how you make this sauce. But I don't need to. I need them to make that shit slap. Good. Um Other than that, the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, I went to an event with uh, Chef Amy. And also, Hillel was there. And do you remember Sarah Ridges? Yeah, the cook-off? Yeah, the cook-off. She She won. (laughs) Let's not get ahead of ourselves, people. I love Sarah. Um, We've never worked online with her. No. Uh, But she stepped her game up. She's at... Uh, shit, Jason Wilson's new uh, old place. He's opening a new place in Bellevue. But uh, it's called the Black Box Challenge, Chef's Night Out. They did at this really beautiful place called The Ruins, super exclusive private club. We went there after hours, got to use their kitchen and their pantry, and they had two chefs, uh, two line cooks battle it out, and then they had three judges, uh, Chef Rudy from 99 Park, mm-hmm. uh, the head chef at Miller's Guild, that's where, yeah, where he's at, working. and then Shoto, from Nakajima? <clears throat> yeah. Nice. From Aldana. And man, I mean, they went at it. It was fun. It was beer. There was food there. It was twenty bucks to get in. It's open to the public, but I'm pretty sure it's just an industry event. Yeah. It's gonna be the third Monday of every month they do it. Um and it was a lot of fun. And the judges, without being you know, for being chefs, the way they critique people's food, they were just being honest and they were giving them some pointers. Yeah. Cause I'd have blasted some shit. This one dude put Sarah made three dishes. The other dude did two dishes, but he put creme fraiche on both dishes. So oh. he had a lamb shank dish and a salmon collar dish, put creme fraiche on both. And I was just like, your, your creme fraiche is overpowering. Yeah. Like, you, it's all creme fraiche. And it's like, and then you put it on both I don't know. I mean, it's tough. We were talking about trying to get Johnny on there. Amy really wants to see you do it. I don't understand why. Because she'd be talking all that shit, fool. Constantly talking shit. Me? Yeah. No, I don't. All right. Let's get into the show. Uh, Keith did not want us to talk about this uh, very much, but I do want to touch base and we'll break off into a different segment off of this. Um So as many of you know, um, we talk about Ethan Stoll on this show kind of often, and it's because he's a chef who, (laughs) I don't want to say makes mediocre food. It's, it's good food. Yeah. Uh, but it's made for the masses. Exactly. Um, he opens up restaurants all the time. Uh, and I love his restaurants. I'm not, I'll am not. i go there. I'd have never really had a bad meal in his restaurants. His service has always been really, really good. And every time I've ever met him before, which is, I don't know, three, maybe four times, um, he's always been super polite and yep. super nice to me. But Same. he is really political. And he's a chef. Okay. And I'm not saying you can't be into politics and be a chef, but he's very firm on his stance and vocal and vocal and opinionated when it comes to his stance on politics. And he recently posted something uh, from the Seattle times online, uh, about, uh, uh, one of our, um, elected officials, uh, SWAT. And what is her, what's her political stance, Johnny? I have no
0: idea. I think I she's a socialist. She's a socialist, yeah. And she, but she's very, uh, and she's an aggressive socialist. Yeah, she wants say. to
1: burn everything down. Um, so basically his post went, uh, do you really want our, elected, uh, elect, e, our elected. elected officials to be as rooted in hate as Sawat? She literally said, I have no Republican friends. Who says that? I'll say it right here. I'm a Democrat and I've got Republican friends. The definition of discrimination is the unjust or prejudicial treatment of different categories of people or things, especially on the grounds of race, age, or sex. Basically, where it went from there um, is a friend of mine uh, who is not in the restaurant industry, actually works for Microsoft, very smart, gay, which has nothing to do with it. uh, metalhead buddy of mine very got into us got into it with Ethan Stoll Ethan Stoll online over you know his judgment of you know uh, of people who say they don't they they hate Democrats they hate Republicans right and it's a back-and-forth thing and I just am trying to figure out understand why a chef Somebody who owns all these restaurants. It ended with my friend going, look, I've been a patron of yours for years and years and years. And because of this back and forth menu, I can firmly say I'll never eat in any of your restaurants again. Wow. And it basically was because other people were coming in. Some were trolling, some were not trolling, but arguing. And he's just sitting there going like, these are the people that are defending you. Does this does this not show you how wrong you are? Yeah. Um, and then it started getting my mind going because, you know, we're not a political show. I, I'm I'm not really even into politics. I understand politics. I don't agree with them. Um, I'm an anarchist. Okay. <laughs> Bird it. Uh, with Salat. No, I'm not with Salat. <laughs> not with anybody. I'm for myself, but keep this, not what this become a political show, but this brought up the subject of when I was talking to our producer about if you worked in a kitchen for somebody who you absolutely did not believe in any of the stuff they believed in, would you still stay there? And that's a tough question
0: because it like it really depends on their merits and background. Um, Sometimes you can overlook sort of their political views because, you know, that. In their heart, that they're a good person, as long
1: as they keep to their self. Yeah, this is work.
0: Yeah, but I mean, like, if there's a vocal, if there's a chef that's vocal about, like, you know, discriminating on people or how he doesn't want to serve these types of people because of, you know, their race or their sexual orientation or anything like that, or
1: like he's like, I hate when poor people come into my restaurant. You know, (laughs) it's which we've heard. We've now listen. We've heard all this. Yeah. If you're listening to the show and you do not work in the back of the house, we have heard all of this across the board.
0: Yeah, and I've, I've you know especially. Especially on the poor aspect, I've worked at a lot of restaurants where the cooks and the chef will judge somebody because they're not dressed a certain way while coming into the restaurant. You do it, too. I mean, like, yeah, I do it, too. But I've learned that I to keep that to myself, number one, (laughs) and to number two, to not judge a book
1: by its cover, because those people are usually the ones that ball out. Yeah because they're not spending their money on clothing. They're spending <laughs> it on good food. Exactly. I don't know. It's it's become a thing to and this is where the family aspect of a kitchen's come in. You know, so there's a couple fucking definitely definite racists that work in your kitchen with you. I'm not saying all all across the board and every kitchen there's a racist, but we've all worked in restaurants where you know somebody's racist. And then Soon enough, they'll try to test the waters with you and see if they can say certain things, get away with saying racist stuff around you. Yeah. And you got to nip that shit in the butt. It's just like the sexual objectification of women in the kitchen. And they're trying to test the waters and see if they can say, hey, you know, look at, you know, look at so and so. It's like, yo, man, get your, look at the fucking cutting board. Get back to fucking work. Don't <laughs> conversation yeah, over. Yeah. Conversation over. Uh, But those are people that you have to work with. Those those aren't your boss. This is not your chef owner. Yeah. So, you know, Johnny, would if they're paying you well and you have your you have your child, you have your girlfriend, you have your house, they're paying you really, really well. You're really happy with their job. But your boss is a Nazi. Would you stay at that job? Like a real a true Nazi? I mean, yes, have swastika tattoos. We we now we now we work we've worked in kitchens with people that have.
0: Yeah, Um, you know, that's a tough question because it really depends on what's going on in the rest of the industry. Like, would I be able to find a job if I didn't work there? And if not, sometimes you just got to buckle down and just like handle business. But I mean, personally, no, I wouldn't because that would go against everything that I stand for. And, you know, me, I like to take a stance on my political views very hard. Um, And I, I definitely would not choose to work for somebody like that. I think that's the whole point of interviewing with a chef before
1: you even work for them. Umamijobs.com.
0: Shout out for (laughs) sure. But, uh, you know, like there's a, there's a lot of different types of people I've, I've worked with a lot of people. Actually, I've worked with some people on that are even on that website that I would, that I would say, no, I wouldn't work with them anymore because I know how they are personally. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's really under your discretion and you, and you gotta think about it long and hard. I have a lot of grown man stuff that I'm dealing with right now, so it would be, it's an even harder decision for me to make right now.
1: That's kind of where I'm at with that is, I mean, I'm, I'm at the position now in my life to where I can literally tell a chef or an owner to eat my fucking dick and get the fuck out of my face before I smack him with a fucking pair of tongs but that's just, I'm, I'm at that position now there's a lot of people that aren't Yeah, you know think about the kids that are coming to the industry and they don't want my name has already been cemented people a lot of people know who I am a lot of people don't know who I am but I guarantee you going to at least one restaurant there's usually somebody there who kind of knows of me or about me so there's nothing really I can do about people's opinion about me all I can do is try to be me and try to prove myself as being a hard worker and a good cook Yeah. You know? Or a good chef. Uh, so I'm at that position. A lot of the young kids, you can't. You get a bad reputation starting off, you know, and you hear your, your chef says something inappropriate, but it would be a race, gender, uh, ethnicity, or sexual orientation. Sometimes you just can't say anything. Yeah. You just got to bite that bullet. I mean, one of the last restaurants I worked at, it was definitely geared towards
0: racial discrimination a lot towards me.
1: Discrimination and towards you? Johnny are, are you going to blame blame it on it's your race? <laughs> I not. mean just cuz they made black jokes and stuff and it was well, they made black jokes cuz you're black. Yeah, exactly. But they weren't discriminating against you. Uh do you think they treated you a certain way because you were black? Uh sometimes I do, yeah.
0: You know, there—that was one of the main reasons why I felt uncomfortable being there. But you know, at the same time, I had to—I had to handle what I needed to handle because I needed that job. I was trying to get a mortgage, but there was a breaking point where I had to say no more and I had to go. You know, and that was one of the
1: first jobs that I actually walked out of. True that. Okay. So from that subject of, you know, having to walk out on somebody you don't like, and then uh, to the next subject about sticking around the place for a long yeah. time, um, I wanted to give a shout out to a, uh, how old is this motherfucker? 79-year-old 79 79. omelet maker, Cecil Exum. He works for the Marriott. He is their longest running employee. Uh, how long has he been there, Johnny? You remember?
0: I want to say like frickin'- 40 years or something.
1: Um, I don't know. But he had started working for uh, Marriott before they even owned any restaurants. So they worked. He worked when then when they owned a um, like a root beer stand. Mm-hmm. Um, he left a sharecropper, a sharecropping farm in North Carolina to take a job at hot shops. It was a root beer stand run by the Marriott family. Uh, he basically bust tables he served sodas, and he made banana splits. Um, the very next year, the Marriott family, they opened up their first hotel. It was the Twin Bridges Motor Hotel in Arlington, and he moved up with them. They, you know, went there, started washing dishes, right? Uh, he was one of their very first employees of the hotel chain. And as we all know, Marriott's become probably one of the biggest, biggest and most successful in. Um yeah. And 27 years, by the way. 27 years. Yeah. Um, and so he worked his way from the back of the kitchen to the to the front of the kitchen where he can be seen. And now he works at the omelet station at the Crystal Gateway Marriott down in North Carolina still, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so he's basically become like folklore <laughs> within the Marriott. Yeah. Company. Uh, He technically is their longest employee. The second longest employee behind him is the fucking ex CEO who just retired, uh, who's 85. He just turned 75. Um, But the 85 year old ex CEO is Bill Marriott Jr um but they've known each other for years they've worked side by side but you got too far into the spectrum but they found a common ground and become friends in the middle yeah um and he basically is just saying you know they they ask him you know why here for so long and not to not to mention he's a master at making omelets yeah. uh people come into the rest the he works the breakfast buffet yeah. um and he works the omelet station he's been there for i want to say 27 years 27 years yeah. he's been making omelets for 15 years and the customers that come there, they, people come in to just to see him. And one of his coworkers says, sometimes he doesn't have the heart to tell people that he's not, not actually Cecil. He's like, they're so excited to see like the longest running employee of all the Marriott company here. Um, and they ask him, you know, you know, he says he has all the vacation time he wants. They're asking why he doesn't want to retire. And he just like, he really enjoys his job.
0: Yeah. He really enjoys the order and the, you know, I guess the I wouldn't want to say the monotony, but the repetition of having to go to work and his lifestyle. It's very scheduled.
1: Well, I mean, they yeah, they treat him well. Yeah. Um He does his job. He shuts the fuck up. He handles his business and they give him his, his paid time off. Mm-hmm. He goes fishing every year. Same trip every year. Yep. And he goes to his favorite reunion every year. I mean, that's the life I would. But I'm, I'm just I, I never would have thought. As Marriott being one of these companies that treats their employees so well.
0: I'm sure, especially if you give, you know, that's the sort of thing that happens though. us. Like when you give everything to something, it, you usually get it back.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about it is, th- is there, this th- what this article is saying is they're surprised, you know, he still has a job there. Mm-hmm. And like through the 90s was a tough time uh, for um Hotels and restaurants at that, but they usually start cutting costs at some people, some of the older employees. Um, They need to start taking more time off and they need, you know, they're a little bit slower. Yeah. But see, that's the thing that he
0: mentions in the article is that he, when he comes into work, he thinks about the next day and he's always one step ahead. And I think that's, yeah, he's a prep god. So that's probably one of the reasons why they kept him is because he was probably making these young guns look bad because they're like damn this older guy is here and he's doing more and better than these young guys because what usually happens is you're like i want to hire somebody younger because they'll probably take less pay and they'll work twice as hard but if that's not the case then you might as well keep what you got you know especially if he's busting ass
1: True that. True that. But I just wanted to give him a tip of my hat. and uh, Definitely. I wish I had a shot to cheers with him. I wonder, does he still drink? No, he doesn't drink nor smoke. No, drink nor smoke. Man, he's out, and he looks good. Yep. Could black on crack. Could be your dad. <laughs> I've met my dad. He's definitely not my dad. <laughs> By the way, yeah, I want to shout out Johnny's dad. I saw him on uh, TV. Yeah. I shot him a text. He's out there. Uh, bus- you shot him a text? No, I shot you a text. Oh. <laughs> Johnny's dad was on TV speaking so eloquently. And uh, being respectful to the citizens of Seattle. so I just want to say uh, he's always been nice to me. yeah you you're gonna see him in a couple next weekend or the weekend after. Oh baby shower. yeah shout out. All right, so yeah, I just want to say congratulations uh, both to Marriott man for you know keeping an employee 79 years old man. I don't want to think I want to be working at 80. No. We sit on a beach. I'm gonna sit on my ass on a beach for sure. All right. And then uh, lastly we're gonna wrap up the show with uh something that's kinda of fun. I didn't even know about this. I read about this last week and uh, I should have nominated you, Johnny. No, oh, thank you. Uh, you're too you're not young enough. Too old. I am. I mean, one of the, one of my friends is yeah. on here. She's 47. Same. <laughs> anyway, uh, Johnny's going to run us through uh, the semifinalists for Eater's uh, Young Guns of 2017. Uh, it's going to be where he's going to be introducing the latest class of young industry talent. And I love how it uh, covers so many different types of jobs in the industry. Yeah, And, you know, this podcast is not just for cooks. This is for all industry people. Uh, we talk about many things in industry. And these are some jobs, if you want to get in the industry, that you could also uh, look into. It's yeah. exciting. So 2017
0: semifinalists. If you don't know what the Young Guns is from Eater, it's basically where they shine light on the brightest talent in the restaurant industry front and back of the house. Um, they've been doing this since 2012. And, uh Basically, the requirements is you have to be under 30 and have less than five years experience in the industry. So these are a lot of crossovers, people who have worked other jobs and then have come into the food industry and probably have in- implemented the knowledge of the outside world into their um Job in the restaurant industry and have made it better.
1: There's also some home home cooks on here that yeah. transferred from home cooking and just was like, and they implemented uh, what they learned on TV and stuff and brought it to the restaurant, which I thought was really funny because it's like people in the back of the house are so against. Stuff on TV, and See, like, yeah, but and like
0: it works in the real world. It's their that's that toss up because home cooks have a lot more passion, I would say, than <laughs> regular. They're not doing it for cooks. the money, exactly. Um, one of my friends is actually on here, uh, so that's pretty exciting. And I hope that she gets you know an award because she really, really deserves it. She busts his ass, anyway. So uh, it's fine. I'm just gonna run over a few of them um, because there's about 55, but it's pretty cool because there's a lot of women on this list. There, it's predominantly women and. I like to see that because that's showing how the industry is changing right now, and that um, a lot of people think that the sexism and uh, um, the objectification of the women are forcing them to leave. When actually, a lot of them are coming in here and they're changing the game for the better.
1: Bosses, man. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the women that come in here that I've seen the industry that you know that we know are badasses, and they come in and they show up all the guys, and it's embarrassing. Yeah. Not, not, not just, not just because we're men, but because, you know, you're coming, they're coming in here and you're being a dick to them and they're fucking showing you up. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, not being a dick anyway. So first off is uh, Claire Adler. She's age 24 and she's the cheese director and beverage administrator of uh, Tria Cafe and Tria Tap Room in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um,
1: I want to be a cheese director.
0: Right. Next up is Susie Ann. Um, she is actually the creative director of operations for Solari and June Baby. Whoop, whoop. This is my homegirl, she is a badass, um, all around. I don't know when she sleeps because she is always at one of the restaurants,
1: busting ass, doing something good. From this article, I started following her Instagram. Yes, yeah, her is, Instagram is flame, it's flame. Yeah, so her Instagram is at I'm Susie Jane. That's I M S U Z I J A N E. It's straight fire.
0: Uh, she's. Um, we actually might have her on the show soon, so that's pretty exciting. Um, Kevin Ashad is next up. He's age twenty nine. He's the executive chef and owner of Gourmet Eats Catering Service in Dallas, Texas. Um, he beat Bobby Flay in a cooking traditional French dish. Saw that and. Uh, this kind of made him the king and everyone's looking at him like, oh, shit, this dude is, is real deal. Um, next up is Emily Blount, Blount I would say. Uh, I'd I d- say Blunt. Blunt. I don't know how she made this list because she's 36.
1: Uh, but she's new to the industry. Okay. She's been in the industry less than five years. Okay. Um, I think it's either or. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um,
0: yeah. And she is the owner of St. Leo in Oxford. Uh, is that? Massachusetts? Yes. Cool. Uh, I'm really bad with acronyms of states, but uh, here come some guys. We got Trig Brown and Josh Koo, 28 and 29, chef partner and managing partner of Wind Sun in Brooklyn. Um, Brooklyn is a very, very up and coming area it's for tough. food and bars and cutthroat ha- cutthroat they have a very northwest feel going on over there right now especially in williamsburg um they
1: had taiwanese american food yeah which that's very niche and specific yeah. <laughs> but then he, he the homeboy heard about it and was like what i'm taiwanese and american Let's i did work there <laughs>
0: uh next is aaron connor she's 25 years old and she's the production manager of Blackbird Donuts in Boston, Massachusetts. Um That'd be some good-ass donuts. Yeah, she uh, joined Blackbird Donuts over a year ago, moving from her home in Boston, Maryland. Several years cooking and working as a sous chef in fine dining restaurants in New York City. Um, she, she longed to return to her home state and traveling or trying something totally new. She scored a job as a baker, and she quickly progressed to become a manager. Whoop, whoop. Uh, next up is Marcel Crooks. Age twenty seven, chef de cuisine of one of my favorite restaurants right. in Portland, uh, Little Bird Bistro. Right. Also, uh, they are co-founders of Le Pigeon. Yes. Yeah, which is also really good. If you haven't been there, go. You're gonna have to make a reservation reservation about Where? a week in advance to, to Le Pigeon.
1: Oh yeah, I was gonna say not Little Bird. They no, are, Little Bird, Bird is usually
0: open. Yeah. Um, she was she was the recipient of two James Beard Awards in 2016. Um. She loves French cooking she, with West Coast eyes. She plates like the chicken fried trout and pickled carrot, snap peas, peppers, and Dijon cream, but cooks Crooks also has quickly asserted her own cooking background without breaking her Rutgers style, which is pretty dope. Little Bird's G-shit. Yep. Next up is Stephanie Del Palma, age 28, chef de cuisine of Addison in San Diego. Um, I've heard really good th- things about this place. Yeah, Nadine Donovan, age 28, executive pastry chef, secret sauce foods and beverages in Denver, Colorado. What a stupid fucking name. <laughs> um, and then the list goes on. It's about 55. Um, Any other hitters on there? You know, there's a lot of distillery o- or uh, distillery founders. I mean, yeah, they got some stuff. general managers general on there. General managers. couple chefs. Yeah, a couple chefs, a lot of pastry chefs, which is pretty cool. Um, Some directors of operations. We got a pit master here, Laura Loomis, uh, from Two Bros Barbecue Market in San Antonio, um, which is
1: pretty awesome. Shout out this food truck owner. Uh, I didn't see that quite yet. Chris Gonzalez, 29. He's the co-owner and chef of Hoppa Food Truck in Connecticut. Nice. Uh, so shout out to you, man, Yeah, grinding. Michael Mai is a coffee manager at
0: Mercantile and Mash in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. It's all pretty cool stuff. So we'll post this on our um, page. page, so you guys can go through and look. It's a lot of names, but um, I think we're gonna move on to ingredient of the week. Yep, Johnny, hit us with our ingredient of the week. Um, it's going to be blue cheese. Yeah, me first.
1: Yeah, go. All right. So basically, uh, kind of, we talked about doing blue cheese. Um, it's pretty super versatile. But uh, I'm gonna be doing this on one of my uh, steak sandwiches at uh, Jupiter. It's, ba- it's really simple. Blue cheese bechamel sauce. Nice. Uh, bechamel sauce is a cheese sauce, basically, uh, white cheese sauce. Um, so what you are going to need is you're gonna be need about a tablespoon of butter. You can also use lard if you want. Um, that's and be- just
0: to correct you, bechamel is is the f- sub part of a Mornay, which is a cheese sauce. Correct. Thanks. Jimmy. <laughs> Fuck you and your Mornay.
1: <laughs> Me, so more. I knew somebody
0: was going to like, probably be like, that, d- that dumb ass is wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so yeah, you can use butter or lard. Um, I usually use butter. Uh, so you want a tablespoon of butter, a teaspoon of flour. Uh, you want about a, ounce, uh, ounce and a half of blue cheese. Um, and then about four ounces of milk, five ounces of milk. Yeah. Uh, depends how thick or thin you want it. Um, you can always, uh, I like it a little thinner because then you can like fl- flame throw it, or my- throw it in the oven, get it bubbly. Yeah. So I want mine thick. Oh, okay. For Mine's sure. going to go on at the end. Um, you want a little dash of salt, maybe a little bit of pepper and uh, I'm going to use tarragon as a herb in it. Uh, Cause it's going to go on my steak. Um, so basically you're just going to grab a small uh, stainless steel skillet. You're going to melt the fat or the butter over kind of medium heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're going to add your flour in there. Make, make sure a roux. You, yeah, make a roux basically. And then you want to hit your uh, hit it with your milk. Uh, uh, whisk that in there until your um, roux gets all smooth, get all the chunks out. And then you want to turn the heat down uh, to like a, a pretty low simmer. And then add your cheese in there, add your salt, and add your um, herbs. Um, actually, yeah, don't even throw your herbs in. No, throw them in last. Throw them in the, last, the yeah. Out. So let that all melt, thicken up to your desired. Uh, I like to say when, the, when you can
0: see the whisk lines going through yes, the sauce. Yeah. That's a good one. What, what do we call that? Uh, whisk lines, whisk lines, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. and then you pull that, pull that off, um, and then chop up. You can do a whole tarragon. Yeah, yeah. Just strip those tarragon. I would, right. I would definitely crush it up a little bit. Make sure you get the activate. Smack it. Yeah, smack it. Like put it in your hand, ball it up, and then smack it. <laughs> right. And so you can put that over a lot of different stuff. Uh, you can make mac and cheese with it. Uh, I'm gonna put mine over steak yeah. um, on a sandwich. Yeah, with some arugula. Yeah, I'm going to do arugula, and I'm going to make a mushroom relish. Nice. That sounds yeah. delicious. Also, what else is going on there? I don't know. Some other stuff's going on there. Maybe that sounds a fresh good. fresh squeeze of lemon I can't wait to come and try the restaurant. I'm really it's excited. It's just going to be flame, homie. I'm, uh, I'm gonna sous vide. I'm going to do, instead of, like, roasted turkey breast, mm-hmm. I'm going to do sous vide turkey breast. Oh, no.
0: Nice. So. Today, actually, at June Baby, it's a uh, confit turkey leg, which we drop in the deep fryer. <laughs> what do
1: you mean? Oh, you're, t- like, you're frying it in... Yeah, so
0: we we braise it in oxtail, or confit it in oxtail fat. Okay. That we, after we make our oxtail, okay. and then um, we drop it in the fryer and get it super no, crispy. No, any
1: breading? Nope. No, just straight in just Straight and in there. Get that's, ooh.
0: And it gets flamed. What kind of oil? Uh, right now, we're just using canola clear fry. Duck fat. But we, um, Duck fat. we have two really large fryers, but we reserve a third of our fryer liquid at the end of every week, so it's... Reuse it. Yeah. And reuse it and then fill it up with that new stuff. So it always has a little bit of flavor, um, which is definitely something that I've been learning about Southern cooking is that always reserve a little bit uh, of that oil. It's history. Yeah. Um, food tastes like history. So what I'm going to do is basically just a one pot dinner, creamy Brussels sprout gratin with blue cheese and, um, it sounds a little weird, but you know, it's definitely would be a good side dish, especially in the, in the wintertime, fall for Thanksgiving, Christmas. Anyways, you'll get a pound and a half of Brussels sprouts trimmed and cut in half lengthwise, a teaspoon of butter, six ounces of blue cheese, three quarters cup cream, a half cup milk, one tablespoon whole grain mustard, salt and pepper, and a quarter cup um, Parmesan. You're gonna heat your oven to 350, and then in a shallow baking dish, uh, butter your shallow baking dish and then add the Brussels sprouts um, and you're going to blanch those off real quick about three minutes and you're going to dry and drain well Uh, in a small bowl you're going to whisk together cream, milk and mustard seasoned to taste with salt and pepper pour the cream mixture over the sprouts and top with Parmesan transfer to an oven and bake for about 20-25 minutes and then after that you're going to pop it out I'll probably top it with some breadcrumbs you know, something simple but you know, quick and easy recipe that you can make
1: yeah, it's blue cheese man it's nothing fancy Or, you know, my recipe was going to be just buy a really nice thing of blue cheese, make some, uh, like, some fig compote and uh, get some crackers. That sounds bomb. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Okay, that's going to be episode 75 of Grill How Long Steak, Mr. Coming out the oven. Uh, motherfucker, it's been almost 40 minutes. That shit's burnt. <laughs> <laughs> Refire. Refire. Okay, uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to encourage you guys to go to our social medias, give them a like, give them a comment, rate, review. Please email us, uh, Grill Mister. That's Mr at gmail.com our uh, Facebook is sick mister what about our Instagram at how long, or at sick mister <laughs> what about Twitter? at how long (laughs) sickness? shout out James Jader for taking care of our uh, uh, Twitter I also want to thank OC Notes for our theme music nice Um, he does what's the name of that song I don't know but uh, he's in a couple other groups Metal Chocolates he's amazing I'm trying to do some work with him here at the Soundcasting Network I would also like to thank Studio 212 for uh, letting us record here I'd like to thank the Soundcasting Network uh, for hosting our podcast Uh, I would like to thank Keith uh, aka the invisible producer, aka Queef Boogie, aka the jobless man. <sighs> uh, for uh, not being here today, I still love you, uh, Johnny. What's your social media? Uh, Johnny Tsunami. Uh, my social media is going to be at Bobby Still. That's B O B B Y S T uh, I L L S. Yeah. Until next time, guys. Peace. Peace. Grill. How long steak Mister? Five
0: minutes out. Eat a dick, bitch.